the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner all about sunday the latest trainer to join our ranks is donald mccain to celebrate we'll be having a sunday and final furlong podcast owners morning on saturday april 16th at bankhouse stables to see raffles capital and the 150,000 euro purchase invincible power the most expensive horse sunday have ever bought to join us download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com the ultimate racehorse ownership experience and by our official betting partner kaluki sportsbook get your sign up bonus for new accounts with a match bet of up to 25 pounds kaluki offer betting on all sports immediate interaction with experienced traders with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. Day four of Cheltenham, and hopefully we are already swimming in gravy from our previews during the week, and we're about to swim in some more. We are joined by the godfather of trends analysis and previews, Mr. Paul Ferguson. I am, you right? I'm good, thank God. Uh, glad to get you on at least one Cheltenham preview. Uh, outstanding work yet again. I'm still going through the book, by the way, um, as the uh, Lucky 63 for the week gets finalised. Uh, and speaking of Lucky 63s and helping us out in that, a man who was extremely confident yesterday in his selections for Thursday, and I'm hoping for the similar bullishness and correctness as well. Land correctness, but landing the gravy, Mr. Rory DeLarge, or as you should address him when you see him at Cheltenham, the gravy. Rory the gravy is here. I prefer the standard title, and someone someone did actually address me by my name in the high street in Cheltenham today, and that's always a pleasure. Did did they say? Did uh, did they say uh, this final front podcast listener, Mr. DeLarge? Full name. Rory, how are you getting on? Excellent stuff. All right. Uh, I still say to gravy. Um, right, we'll begin with the Triumph Hurdle to kick things off. Uh, Willie Mullins has Vaughan, who was so impressive at the Dublin Racing Festival. Kaluki goes 6-4. to four. Uh, Pied Piper, who won the Cheltenham Trial, is 5-2. to two. Phil Dore, who was beaten in the DRF. Uh, but Dennis O'Regan in our Irish special preview saying he can turn the form around. Fives and Ile Tom who was put up on this show at 25 to 1 by Darren McGrath, is now nines. Nines uh, for Willie Mullins. Right, we will start with uh, Rory Delarkey. Uh Your thoughts on the JCB Triumph Hurdle? Yeah, listen, I don't, I don't have a tremendously strong view in, in that. I, I, there's nothing wrong with the front two in the market. And the race doesn't have a tremendous each-way each shape beyond them. Um, but um, I would I would just um, favour Pied Piper at the prices. Um, you know, and I initially wasn't absolutely blown away by his win at uh, Cheltenham because I thought a few horses didn't perform that day. Um, but he's um, you only have to look back at it to see how much he had in hand. Um, Davy Davy didn't um, didn't give him an inch of rain on the run in. The race was over at the top of the hill. He was always going to win from that point. He's already beaten the favourite in the race. Um, and the fact that he hasn't posted as big a figure 
uh, as Vauban since that is because he didn't have to to win to win that triumphal trial by nine lengths. So I, I can't see much between the pair of them, um, and uh, I don't really see any holes in Pied Piper. So I'd be happy to back him at the prices, but you know the the market's roughly correct here. There's not um, there's no glaring errors in it as far as I can see. So it's a, it's just a marginal call. Paul, for you. Uh, I'd agree with uh, some what Rory said there. I think I certainly think, um, obviously, the top two of the betting and in particular the Irish horses stand out. I'm not sure how good a crop the English juveniles are. Potentially, Dr. Parnassus is the unknown, but he's got to take a massive step forward. Um, so I think in terms of, of winning the race, I think the top two, for me, um, is where we need to focus. Uh Again, I, I was pretty impressed at, at the time with Pipe Pipe. I thought visually it was very impressive. I agree with what Rory said. Perhaps there wasn't much depth in behind and a couple underperformed on the day, but um, it's hard not to be impressed by that performance. But having watched um, the maiden race back when they took each other on a New Year's Day at New Year's Eve, sorry, on at Punchestown, um, I've come to the conclusion that if Vauban can just improve his hurdle and that little bit more, I think that he might well be capable of turning that form around. There was nine flights to hurdles, um, jumped on that occasion, often only eight in a two-mile race, but there was nine on that occasion. Um, at least four times, Pied Piper comfortably out-jumped Vauban and took at least a length out of him, I worked that. So despite all of that, if Vauban would have met the last race, he probably still would have won. Um, he took a step forward when he won the spring juvenile hurdle in, in terms of jumping. Um, but there's still room for improvement in that department. And I think if he again steps forward in, with his jumping and obviously the configuration of the new course will probably help him in that. There's only two flights of hurdles to jump in the final seven furlongs. Um, I just think he might turn the form around. Pied Piper for Rory, Vauban for yeah. Paul Ferguson. And uh, it's still Ile Tom for me. Uh, I was really taken with that performance at uh, at Leopardstown. I I would heed the words of Dennis O'Regan though, um, and Phil Dore fits so many of the Paul Ferguson Weatherby's Children Festival bidding guide st- stats. Out before Christmas, uh, contested the Spring Juvenile slash ran in a Grade One, comes from France, is trained by Gordon Elliott. That hill could turn the form around, and um, Phil Dore's price is becoming more and more attractive the more I look at him. So he's currently fives with uh, Kaluki, Ilay Tom nines. Um, I'll probably keep with uh, Ilay Tom, but but Phil Dore's horse to respect. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that obviously Gordon's two triumph hurdle winners both finished runner up in the spring juvenile and then obviously turned the form around. And I thought it was slightly significant that after Pied Piper's win on trials day. Um, in the winners' enclosure afterwards, Gordon was still seemed to be keen to point out that Phil Dore appeared at that point to be the number one for those connections because there was talk, obviously, of Pied Piper possibly switching um, to the Supreme and leave Oban be Phil Dore the following week. So, probably had an impact on how they thought about it. For me, Phil Dore's a little bit um, similar to Zana here last last year. He looks just like he, a proper sailor at the trip. So, he, he, in my opinion, would want to good test of stamina on um, on Friday if he is to have a chance to turn that form around. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And, and I implore you, go look back at Elaine Tom's run in that race. Danny just gave him the perfect introduction. And um, William Mullins was actually saying he was going to keep him for next year. 
he wasn't going to do anything with him this year. And he was working so well that he felt obliged to run him. So they popped him into the grade one. And um, he's run a mighty race to be only five and three quarter lengths behind Vaughan. And said he's come on a ton since then as well. Uh, and Danny said the same too, that he's been just been working absolutely brilliantly. So it's a free shot because if he gets beaten, he retains his novice status and you've got a stronger novice for next year. But given the strength and depth of Willie Mullins' bumper contingent, it's not like they're lacking for novices for next season anyway. Uh, the county hurdle. Right, I have a feeling I know where Rory's going here anyway. Uh, so we shall begin with Rory DeLarge. Rory, who's the good thing in the county? Uh, it's funny you should ask um, that because the county is the race that I really want to play on Friday. Uh, I don't think it's a, it's a terribly easy card, but um, I really, really like um, Colonel Mustard and have really liked Colonel Mustard Wonderful. for some time. And I think he's, um, he's clearly on a very good mark. Um, and he's on a good mark for, for obvious reasons because he's been campaigned almost exclusively in, in, in graded hurdles for the last year. Um, the horses that he's finished uh, close to um, tie his form down in theory. So the handicapper can't grind out an extra five or six or seven pounds onto him. So his Irish rating is 140, his British rating is 140, and it looks lenient on the balance of his form. Um, he gets in here with 11 stone. He's number 22 on the list. There'll be a few come out, obviously. Um, but there's still improvement to come from Colonel Mustard. He's taken a little bit of time just for the penny to drop. But you've only got to look at the, um, the balance of his form last year. He was uh, placed in, in grade two company at Ferry House um, and then Hardy Eustace. He then was uh, second, uh, giving seven pounds away um, in the um, in the champion novices hurdle at Punchestown. And here he is as a second season hurdler. Um, he's I think he's he's shown signs he's given a progressing again. I know he was beaten 12 lengths and uh, wins thirds uh, in the Brave Inca last time out, but that, that was the strongest hurdle race I've seen all season by some way. Mm. Um, he will be suited by the two miles one of this track. He will be suited also by the fact that um, the new course at Cheltenham doesn't place as much emphasis on slick jumping. And it's a very good spot for him. Um, he's still about 12 to 1. I, I just think he's just really solid. He can't, I find it very difficult to keep him out of the frame here. He's a hold-up performer as well, who are really suited. No, he's not. Well, he's not, he's, he's not really a hold-up. He made all the running when he won at Galway. He's not going to be coming from, from you know, at the back of the field. But yeah, he's, he, he's going to be stalking uh, and making his move go into the second last hurdle. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think he's I think he's um, pretty um, versatile tactically, but it, it won't be. He will be stalking and coming from behind and be just with a strong run uh, yeah. late in the day. That's the uh, that's the idea. Which is really the way you want to be. Uh, you want to be produced in a country. I'm, I'm not a big fan of trying to come from miles off the base at Cheltenham, but I'm also on this track not particularly keen on backing horses who who need to um, to dominate or um, uh, or get to the head of the affairs early because um, it's a long, long way home from the top of the hill and the new course. Big time. Uh, now, the point I'm making is that uh, essentially horses who are held up, and he was held up at, at Ferry House behind Echoes and Rain twice, who I think has a big chance in this as well. Um, he chased losers behind Sir Gerard, but was held up behind John Bond. So, hold up performers. You look back at County Hurdles previously, and I've done this this morning, They it tends to go to a hold up performer. Um uh, and he can race like that, but as you said, he can be very, very versatile as well. Um, so look, he's um, right with you. I think Colonel Mustard is going to be the mustard on the day. It's a race I've never been afraid to have two swings at, but to be honest about it, Paul, I'm only having the one swing, and it's Colonel Mustard. What about you? 
Uh, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off Colonel Muster. I think he's um, got a pretty solid chance, and Rory's made a good case for him as he did in the Cheltenham Guide a few weeks ago. So um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off him. Stateman's going to be fascinating whenever he turns up. I think off a mark at one four one. I'm kind of hoping he runs possibly in the Martin Pipe, so we'll touch on him more a little bit later. Um, a couple, I'll just mention a couple more. Another horse who actually ran behind um, Colonel Mustard last time at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, it would be one far out, uh, which a little bit disappointing that he was beaten so far and he's now worse off of the weights. He, he's been put up five pounds by the English handicapper where this Colonel Must was left alone, which I presume was down to the fact that he is running England against John Bond, so he kind of had a gauge on Colonel Must. That's the only thing I can uh, make out. And they were assessing far out on his earlier form. And they've completely put a line through that Leopardstown run. And um, if that's the case, you obviously have got to put a line through that. And I had an interview with Patrick recently saying that certain horses don't handle the ground at the Dublin Racing Festival compared to at the Christmas meeting. Sharjah being a good good example over recent years, he said that could well be the case with Far Out. If it hasn't, you can forgive him that run. I think his earlier form is pretty decent, and his two wins came on good ground. And um, hurdling would be a slight concern with him, but again as Rory said, less emphasis on the new course with the, with that regard. Um, and I just think he was undone tactically in the Royal Bond, which is quite a few horses were. Then he again ran on well behind Mighty Potter over Christmas. He just strikes me as a horse who will relish a strongly run race in a big field handicap. I, I was kind of hoping he might have got um, considered for the better hurdle rather than going to Leopardstown for the grade one. Um, but this might give him his opportunity to get those conditions in a big field handicap. Um, the type of horse you want for this on your side say an X flat and uh, French bread so he ticks plenty of boxes for those who like to follow the trends um, he'd be one definitely for sure list at a decent price and I think um, although he's a little bit more obvious I think West Cork has to be on most people's radars he's yeah. obviously returned from a break when winning the Greatwood um, he then the race possibly came too soon for him when he was beaten at Ascot um, we've seen in the past how well that Dan Skelton can produce a horse after a layoff and he's following a similar path being given a break and that, that great others worked out um, extremely well obviously Adagio finished second and run well since the King well um, Tritonic was fifth that day uh, turn the tables in that Ascot race Glory and Fortune sixth won the Beth Fair Maria's Rocks won a couple since um, Botox Haas back in eighth he came out um, um, won a Fontwell so that is a really strong piece of form and I think a £7 rise from that given that course and distance form um, I think he's pretty sure to run his race as well so I'd take them two against the field Okay uh, Two interesting shouts from Paul Ferguson it's the mustard for Rory and for myself uh, in the potato race also known as the Albert Bartlett we have a new favourite Jinto is 5-2 to two now uh, for the Gordon Elliott stable with Hillcrest who's a monster 11-4 to four. Um, then you got Manila Cocooner, sixes. I don't really think he wants three miles. Um, eights for Barnstown Lad and the nice guy, uh, eight to one with Chantreuse, who is uh, following the Manila Indo route, is uh, around about an eight to one shot as well with Kaluki, who will be there all week at Cheltenham. Watch out for them extra, um, extra betting pitches at the Cheltenham Festival this year. Uh, Rory, you're taking the potato race. Uh, yeah, before I crack on to it, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're catching the, the background noise here, but someone in the uh, media centre 
uh, has decided that what we really need to help us concentrate on the racing is shit pop music. Oh, for um, God's sakes. So, uh, someone's complained about it already and said, no, we're not turning it off. We're not turning so, it off? No. <laughs> no, well, name no. names, who is it? It's who is it? It's for It's just whoever, whoever the coach is put in charge of the... Of the uh, 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 the the ambiance of the media center. So, and since I'm wearing the wrong the wrong yard, I can't really go in there and say turn this absolute bollocks off. But it's making it pretty much impossible to do anything here at the moment. Um, uh, I I'm, I hate to be really dull on this uh, card, but I I've always thought the gentle should be in this race. Um, I was quite impressed with the way uh, he won the the Laurels of Nice last time out, but um, he looked like a horse who wanted three miles, not in a, a really negative, this is a boat kind of way. He just strides like a stayer. Um, he shapes like a stayer. Um, and I know they spent a hell of a lot of money on him, but there's, there's this bizarre notion that you don't want to be running your novice for a three mile to Cheltenham because it's almost a, uh, an ad- admitting that they're slow. But, you know, the reason people are buying horses out of point to points for 470 grand is because they want to win the Gold Cup. Yep. Um, and running on the Albert Bartlett is not a particularly bad way of getting yourself, um, you know, uh, eventually into the Gold Cup and, and competitive in that. So I, I've got no, I've got no issues um, uh, with with horses running over this trip as novice hurdlers. It's not a, um, it's a, it's not a, it's not a badge of dishonour, um, but some people still seem to seem to treat it as if it as if it is. So I think Gordon's been the right call, stepping into up to to three miles. Um, he'd be competitive in the Ballymore, but no doubt about that. But I think he'd be really well suited by this. Um, and this is one of those races that can be quite attritional, and they can go a little bit hard um, in the contest, and it tends to suit stayers. Um, but when you've got a real class act in the race, um, you know those those old rules can go out the window to a degree. So I don't see a gentle getting getting involved in a battle for the lead, even though he's made the running um, in the Lawlers and we won at Navan. I think he'd be happy to sit in just off the pace here and let the um, let one or two of the outsiders crack on early and, and have their moment of glory. Um, and I think he will um, he'll come through and be a major player. I'm not anti Hillcrest at all. I think Hillcrest is a lovely horse and he should be competitive here. Um, he did have a pretty tough race in the um, in the prestige at Hayder Glow. That would be a slight concern for me. Mm. Um, although in, in saying that, I remember having this, the same um, discussion with people about whether um, Brindisi Breeze. Um, could come through uh, a, a real slog in that race to win this a few years ago. I was a massive fan of Brindisi Breeze. Breeze, real tragedy what happened to him. Oh, um, and he was absolutely fine on completely different ground. And he made all the running uh, when he won this race. So I, I'm not one of those who says that, you know, he can't be back in Hillcrest because he's run too close to the festival and he's running on heavy grind or, or you know, very testing grind at Hayduck last time I um, I'm not looking for holes in him at all. I think he's a smashing horse. I think he's going to be in danger to Jinzo. Um, I just, I just been, you know, been beating the drum a little bit for Jinzo to run in this race. Now that he does, uh, it would be rude of me not to select him. So that's where I am. Um, to quote Gordon Elliott, if he's good enough, if we think he's good enough to win the Ballymore, then he should win the Albert Bartlett. So, uh, given the reason that. He may have had a, a tough experience at Haydock. I've completely switched to Jinto. Um, and in hindsight, it might be a difficult task to beat Sir Gerard in, in the Ballymore. So I think this is probably the right race for him. And uh, it just it, it clicks and makes sense. Um, I will throw one in at a wild price. Um, Eric Bloodaxe has been completely discarded by punters. 
on the basis of one poor run. And he fits an awful lot. Um, he, he Joseph O'Brien was on this show when he was a bumper horse. He thought an awful lot of him. They had a few issues with him. Uh, they got him back. Um, he's run behind Kilcrut in the at the Punchestown Festival um, in a bumper. He was second to Jinto over a shorter distance. But more importantly, he won the race at Limerick, the Dorns Pride, that has been quite informative over the years, as is pointed out in Paul's excellent book. So uh, 20s about Eric Bloodaxe is way too big, in my view. And I think he's better than he showed last time out, and I'd forgive him that. Uh, but Jinto is the main, main pick for me. I'd say the biggest issue they've had with Greg, Eric Bloodaxe is that he's no bloody good. <laughs> Rory Delargy, coming in hot! A little bit of controversy into the proceedings there. Coming in hot! And when Eric Bloodaxe takes the axe to Jinto and downs them all, this will be played on a loop. He doesn't have any good form in his entire career, really, does he? I mean, the bumper runs are bumper runs. And um, it's 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 really hard making a case for him on what he's actually done on the track. Well, he was second second to Jinto. I know he was buried by him. Yeah, he Uh, was buried by him. That's the thing, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a... what, What would he have thought if he'd gone for one of the handicaps? Oh, jeez. 142 is off. Yeah. 142 in England. Yeah. yeah. Should have gone to Mark. Could have gone to Mark and Pike. But yeah, it'd have been, it'd have been, been a bit more interesting. A bit more interesting yeah. than a handicap with that kind of Mark. But doesn't that tell oh, you that, what they that. think of him, that they're going to run him in a great one? He's not well enough handicapped to win one of the handicaps. That's what they think. <laughs> I, wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say his, um, his form was quite as bad as... It's middle of the road for isn't it? Yeah, well, that Doran's that pride, Ivan was, what, fourth? He came out and finished second to Chantreuse, didn't he? Yeah. Freedom to Dream was beaten seven and a half lengths and finished um, fourth in the Nathaniel Lacey. So clearly he didn't run his race on that occasion. If he, if he would have done, maybe he'd have what, been around. If you're taking a literal form line, he'd have been around hollow games thereabouts. So. Yeah. Um, He's got a bit of fan, but yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back and yeah. ran some sort of race. It's, al- it's also a race that's gone to like battle-hardened horses who haven't necessarily looked as though they had the form to win it. How many people were putting up the <laughs> yeah, window but, back in, in 2019? He was, I know he was um, exposed. Uh, Kilbrick and Storm. Um, yeah. Ben Hill, but anyway. Well, I think too, like like Rory said, that things move on in certain years that are a classier type in the race and things, so you have to obviously factor that in as well. Yeah. So who are you going for, Paul? Um, yeah, I pretty much concur with almost everything that Rory said about Jinto and Hillcrest. Um, likewise, I was I was concerned about Jinto in uh, Ballymore that he wouldn't have the tactical pace for something like Sagerhard or Dysart Dynamo, whatever was rerouted that race. Now we know that is Sagerhard. Um, and as soon as I heard that Manila Kruno was out last weekend. I did wonder if, or midway through last week, I did wonder if Jinto will be switched. And I, I again have been one who's been campaigning that he should be going up to three miles. So, um, again, I'm very much in his camp now and thinks he, he looks the classiest horse in the race. Again, Hillcrest, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I've been on track for three of his four runs this season, um, or four of his five runs, even, sorry. Um, and He's, he's a gorgeous horse to look at. I was there at Haydock and the ground was bad and he set a, he set a real gallop and he looked <laughs> to be able to maintain that gallop um, for three miles I thought was pretty good but it did concern me that maybe that 
again, I did have it in the back of my mind that possibly had that hard hard race just four weeks before the festival. Again, I think I think connections were taking it serious, considering it seriously to wait for entry on the Seth and Novosedle, which possibly would have been the ideal route to go. But I think the temptation of as soon as Manila Kroona came out, you've got a joint favour for the race. I think the temptation was there to um, commit and take the chance. Um, so I just think I would just side with Jim so again myself personally I think he's had the, the nicer preparation into it and, uh, already a grade one winner he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Bobsworth and what he's done earlier in the season and then stepped up Bobsworth would have been good enough that year I'm sure to have acquitted himself well in the Ballymore and Jim so would have done likewise but I think I think it'd be tough to beat here yeah, yeah we're all in agreement Gentil wins um, and Delargi just had to throw in the grenade to try and rise me up about Eric Bloodaxe. He's no bloody good. Uh, we'll see. But <laughs> listen, I don't, I don't mind having a bit of egg in my face on Friday. Everyone will have forgotten about the gold cup anyway. So. Everybody will have forgotten about Eric Bloodaxe when he finishes tailed off down the back of the field. Don't worry about it. Um, but no, Ginto, the, for the three of us, uh, we're all in agreement. Right, the Boodles, Shelton, Gold Cup will be all be in agreement here. Uh, a Plutard. Obviously his favourite. Uh, by the way, I should say that Katie Young off mic on stage said to me, I turned to her and said, please tell me that Jinto uh, is going to go for the Ballymore. And she went, oh, I'd much prefer him in the Albert Bartlett. I'd much prefer him over three months. I hope that's where we go. And then that's exactly where they ended up going. So that's direct from the stable. There you go. Maybe that'll help you. Um, right. The Gold Cup, a Plutard, 72 favourite, last year's runner-up, Galvin. Has actually this is this is happening a good bit. Um right before my eyes the market has changed. Galvin is now favourite with Kaluki. Hundred to thirty. Uh a Plutart seven to two second favourite for last year's runner up. Last year's winner is fives, Milalindo. Uh then Protectorat uh sevens, album photo, dual winner eights, uh conflated is twelves, and the King George winner tornado flyer is tens. Rory, your thoughts on the gold cup? Uh the music's got worse, I'm afraid. What's, um, what's happening? <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, this Has is Matt Chapman arrived? I know, no, you're, uh, you're certainly uh, head down a controversial route there, aren't you? Um, I, um, I've been a big fan as well, you know, of a blue tart um, for, for years. Um, and I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong this season. And... Uh, Again, I had Manila in the one side for this race early last season uh, and then managed to get put off by, by his jumpy display at, in the Irish Gold Cup. And I'm always like a pair of them as, as, as Gold Cup prospects. But the more I look at this year's Gold Cup, the more I start coming round to Galvin. Um, just on the basis that, um, you know, it, it occurs to me that the Gold Cup more often than not goes to the up-and-coming horse. You know, it... it, it you don't really want to be backing horses who've been here and done it before as a rule. I know in recent times we've had, we've had um, a couple of multiple winners, but um, you don't get too many horses beaten in the Gold Cup who go on to win it um, in the future in ordinary Gold Cups. And this is an ordinary Gold Cup, really, isn't it? Yeah. We've been spoiled um, in the last, um, the last decade or so with some really special horses. Um, but this is, this is your run-of-the-mill Gold Cup. Um, and generally speaking, with a run-of-the-mill Gold Cup, the horse who has had the perfect preparation, the second season chaser who is getting his act together and arriving there at the top of his game, trying the Gold Cup for the first time, is usually the horse to be with. 
Um, and I'm, and, you know, I feel I feel a little bit dirty not backing a blue tower, but I think I'm going to end up backing Galvin for this because uh, there's nothing not to like about him in it. Um, I did think early in the season, even when he won at at, um, at Leperstown, I thought, you know, he's is he going to have the tool for the Gold Cup? But the more uh, you look at the Irish Gold Cup and you think, well, there wasn't there wasn't an awful lot of tool on show there, was there? No. I can't see Galvin getting getting himself outpaced in the race. The concern for him, I suppose, is if it ends up being a really slowly run race. But I don't think that will happen either because um, you know you've got you've got a couple of horses in here who want to go forward, even if it's even if it's not um, uh, even if they're not obvious contenders. I ride will go forward. Santini will go forward. They won't be setting a strong pace, so they won't be getting anyone in trouble the way one or two got in trouble early last year. But it will still bring it will still bring stamina into play and. Um, uh, Galvin will almost certainly have his ground as well. I mean, you know, the weather is. Um, I, I'm I'm dressed for the winter, and it's it's a bit like summer outside. Um, as I said, I'm in the I'm in the media center here. Um, it, the sun is belting down. It's um, I don't know, 13 or 14 degrees out there. Um, we've genuinely got drying conditions for the first time in a long time, and I know they're throwing some water in the new course, but it's not going to be soft ground. Uh, for this, unless we get a, unless we get a, a midweek change of weather, but the way it looks at the moment, we're looking at a good good to soft ground um, for for this race, and that will suit Galvin down to the ground. The one the one thing he doesn't want is genuinely testing ground, and of course he's won on soft ground twice this season. But on good ground, he's going to be an even stronger contender for this race. And um, yes, uh, I'm sure I'll be getting a message from from Brian Galt on the back of this, but I I am almost certainly going to come round to Galvin in the race, unless his price goes between now and then. But I think, you know, the market will be competitive enough and it'll be a reasonable price. Uh, and I think he probably is the, the right favourite for this Gold Cup, given um, uh, given where he is at the moment, um, compared to the likes of a Poutard and a Manila Indo who's been there before. Manila Indo, um, uh, I've made I've made it clear what I, what I think about him, in that his, he just, at the moment, he doesn't jump for Rachel. Um, and with a new jockey on his back, he tends to react positively to that. He did when, when Jack Kennedy rode him last year, and he did when Robbie Power rode him at Leperstein. Whether when the same jockey's on him a second time, he reverts to type, or whether he will be as good again in the jumping department, I don't know. Uh, if he is, then he's a player. But at the same time, he was pretty well beaten um, at Leopardstown. And it's difficult. You know, you, you look at him now and you think, well, maybe he's just a lot, lost a little bit of the toe that he had. Um, and he should run a decent race, but I can see him getting outpaced and staying on for a place. Uh, whereas, uh, while people have talked about Galvin getting outpaced, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be uh, in his element on the day. Okay, that makes an awful lot of sense to me. And um, Katie Young's nap of the week at the Sports Talk Daily Cheltenham preview was Galvin. Uh, of all the LA sources she could have talked up, that's the one she went for. Uh, Paul Ferguson, your thoughts on the Boodles Cheltenham Gold Cup? I'd be the other way to be honest. I'd prefer much prefer Appletard over Galvin, uh, personally. I know where Rory's coming from that he's it's his first season as a novice company and things Galvin that is normally the first place to start, but he is actually a third season chaser, obviously he didn't win in his first season. Um, he was beaten at the festival in the old novice at Sandy Gap Chase a couple of years ago. Um and I just thought Appletard should have beaten him really over Christmas. I think he made his move at the wrong time. Um on the wrong parts of the course, quite wide on that home bend. Um, I think, if anything, Rachel got there plenty soon enough, I thought. Um, so, yeah, I know that obviously the statistics are there for horses who've been beaten 
in the race uh, previously. It's not great. This century, we've only seen two winners, Corso Star when he was regaining his crown, and of course, more recently, Native River, who've been placed in the race previously. But Rory dug a bit deeper than that um, for the Festival Guard this year when he went back further through the 90s and the likes of Charles Farsi, Cool Ground, the fellow, um, all shown it can be done. And like Rory said, I don't think Blutar has done much wrong at all this year, really, apart from maybe that um, attempted race winning move, possibly a little too earlier at Leopardstown earlier. His victory at Haydock, I thought, was um, certainly visually was singularly the best piece of form we've seen in this division this season. Um, he just took the fields apart that day. His jumping was much better, admittedly, on a um, obviously on a flatter track, but yeah, and. Plutard's only had 13 starts. Galvin's had 12 of offences, so it's not like he's completely exposed in comparison. And just if he'd have said to me at the start of the season, Galvin would have been favourite for the Gold Cup. I couldn't have had it, to be honest. So I'm not I'm not having my opinion changed, really. And I think, um, provided that the, that, that the forecast is correct and um, the ground doesn't turn testing, which seems highly unlikely at this stage now, uh, as again, as Rory said, there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of pace in the race. Um, it's obviously, there's going to be a gallop. I don't think it'll be a furious gallop, so that's not going to stretch a Plutard's stamina to the absolute maximum. I think he'll be played late. I think he's the fastest horse in the race. I think he's the best horse in the race. So um, I'm sticking with that Plutard. Okay, uh, tornado flyer for me. He's done well at Cheltenham in the past. Been third to relegation, the champion bumper in 2018. Chased on Sam Crow in. And finishing fifth in that epic renewal of the then JLT, now the Brown Advisory. And um, last year was third to Alaho when everything got blown to pieces. And I just think he's a horse who's improved for stepping up to three miles. I think they tried it too early when he was 20 in 2020 when they tried him in the saddles. And um, there's a reason Danny Mullins went over for that ride. So he's who I'm going for um, but it's a, it's a very open renewal so we've given you the TriCast that's the best we can do there um, play it how you want Galvin Aplutard Tornado Flyer uh, they're the three for us when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Fox Hunters. We're not supposed to call it that anymore. It's the St. James's Palace Festival Challenge Cup Open well, no Hunters one's, no one's Chase. Foxes, are they, this is true. Who's hunting foxes? This is true. And I feed a fox <laughs> every single night. In fact, I feed two in my garden. And one only has three legs. Maybe they call it the Fox Feeders Chase. Fox Feeders Chase. Yeah, let's do it that. Well, call call it Felix the Fox. Felix the Friendly Fox Chase. Um. All right, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about uh, British point-to-point form, but I know about Billaway, and uh, if the cheek pieces have done the job, then he wins, in my view, and could be a pretty solid favourite. So, uh, Billaway is the pick for me. Rory? Um, I, I listen, I've got a very simplistic view on this race. I don't think um, David Maxwell will choose to ride Shantou Flyer He's got Bob and Co in there as, his, as uh, apparently his main hope. Shantou Flyer has been confirmed for the race. I think just in case anything goes wrong with 
with Bowman Cole, but I would I think Shanti Flyer would have a better chance. Um, he's he's more exposed than Bob and Cole. Uh, he's slightly less exciting on paper, but he has a tremendous record at Cheltenham. Uh, he's had loads of chase starts at Cheltenham and almost always run with credit. His first run here came in the National Hand Chase six years ago when Colin Bow trained him. Um, and he's been placed in the uh, in the Ultima and he's been placed in the Kim Muir uh, and he's been placed in this race. And um, he looked as good as ever um, when beating Jet easily at Fonwell last time um, off the back of a, a lengthy layoff. He, he can't run anywhere else. He can't run in the Kim Muir this season because... Uh, because he's trained by a public trainer in Paul Nichols, once he runs in a hundred chase, he's not allowed to run any other kind of race through the season. And for a horse with such a good Cheltenham record, I think it's an awful waste not to be running him in this race. Um, so I hope the connections come round to him, or the Bob and Coe stands on a stone the day before the race. Nothing worse than that, obviously. I wouldn't wish any long-term harm to the horse, but I'd like to see Chateau Flyer in here. And if he ran, I'd back him each way. Okay, so Chateau Flyer... Each way is the pick for Rory didn't, and everybody. Didn't, everybody. Didn't Paul say last week? Didn't Paul say last week that he, he, he is unlikely to run? No, he, he is only in there as a backup for Bob and Co. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you, I just think uh, my argument is that he's you know he's got. Um, I can see why they would have Bob and Co. as, uh, as the main choice, and he travelled okay in this race last year um, before um, before unseating Sean Bowen. But he is a little bit of a chancy jumper. He made several mistakes before he, he unseated. Um, and Chancy Flash is a safer, a safer proposition. He's obviously been beaten in this as, as well. So I can see why they're going Bob and Co. Um, you know, and I know this might not be much use to people listening to it after Dex and Chancy Flyer might not be in there. But, um, I, you know, if I don't mention him and he ends up getting declared, then I, I'd, um, I'd be kicking myself. So that's where I stand. It's like, you know, this is not going to be... A lot of people who, who love their, their, their point to points in the 100 chases will see this as one of the best betting opportunities of the week. But for most of us, uh, it's, not, it's not particularly easy to, to unpick the, um, the form between the flags. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go with a horse with lots of horse form. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, also, everybody loves a good David Maxwell ridden, ridden, ridden winner. Um, Paul, for you? I haven't got a particularly strong view in the race, to be honest. Bill away, it's obviously been beaten in it twice as favourite the past two years, so um, I wouldn't be rushing to back him at a short price for all like that you've said. And um, cheap pieces seem to have worked. Um, the Oracle, obviously, was beaten by Winged Leader early in the season. Come on, um, come on for that. It seemed um, beaten by Bob and Co. Punches Town, so he, he's not he's not unbeatable. I think Bob and Co. Beaten by cousin Pascal again. I would say I was a Haydock. It was that same day Hillcrest won. Don't think he was particularly suited by the ground. I think he'd be better on better ground. And it was interesting that um, after cousin Pascal had won, um, the trainer seemed to be thinking that returning to Aintree would be the main target. So uh, it remains to be seen whether he also um, is declared. I say he didn't have a particularly strong view, but I did think um, Dubai Quest, who's been um, a serial winner in point to point, was. Fairly impressive in putting away Liberella at Weatherby last month. Um, again, we need to jump a little bit more fluently, but um, I was quite taken with how he'd done that on decent ground. So even he might be one of interest at a, at a relatively decent price, but um, I say I wouldn't be getting too involved in a race personally. By Dubai destination, and now in the Hunter Chase. Uh, Dubai Quest is 12s with Kaluki. We'll move on to the Mare's Chase. 
where LMA, uh, second in the race last year, is your two to one favorite. Mount Ida is nine to four, Cheltenham Festival winner. Concertista does go here, 130. Uh, Zambella is eight, and the Glancing Queen, we are pretty convinced, or at least we're hoping, will be going for uh, a different race, namely the plate, uh, with Gin Online who had that extraordinary victory earlier in the season at 10 to one shot. Uh, Rory, your thoughts on the mayor's race? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very sweet on, um, uh, my diet here. Mm. Uh, I know she's, um, she's gone to her right before. And obviously, you know, she put just a remarkable performance, uh, to win the Kim Muir last season, both uh, in terms of positives and negatives there to come from where she did. And she was, you know, she traded at a thousand on Betfair after half a mile, uh, and uh, having laid her for a place, I, I assumed she was out of the contest, having missed the start of uh, of the race there. Otherwise, I could have uh, insured myself very easily. Oh, no. uh, so that has beautiful oh, no. memories for me. Um, but interestingly, Gordon Elliott said that she came back carrying an injury from Cheltenham last year, um, and he felt that was why she um, she jumped to her right. Um, although she she did also go to her right when she won at Ferry House. Um, last time out at um, at times, but Gordon says he thinks he's he spotted the issue with her and corrected it. Um, but either way, you don't need to make excuses and find reasons why she might be better uh, than she's shown because she's got the best form in the race. Yeah. Um, the shorter trip uh, is not an issue she's shown this season. All her runs since winning the, the Kim Europe Brisbane quarter last year have come at this trip. This isn't a terribly strong contest. Gordon's been very clever in that. There's a um, there's a penalty structure which says if, if you win at grid two or grid one level, you have to carry a penalty here. Um, and so both he and um, uh, and William Mullins, as Ellie, may have made sure that they they've run in uh, nothing better than grid three chases. So he missed um, he missed running her in the Irish Gold Cup, where she was she would have been an interesting contender in that race. Um, but that would have you know this was always the plan. And Gordon said at the time um, he didn't want to run her in the Irish Gold Cup because he wanted to come here. He didn't say come to the festival. He specifically said the mare's chase. She would have had other options as well. I think, she, I mean, she's been a good price all year because Concertista has been a really puzzling favourite for this. Um, now, Concertista clearly, having only had the two runs over fences, could improve enough to be a big player here. But she does carry a penalty and she is a novice against, uh, you know, high-class experienced mares. I thought her chance on paper was nowhere near as clear as the uh, anti-post market suggested. And she's been on the drift now um, since people started having a closer look at this race. You know, if Constitution was was six or seven to one, I wouldn't be ruling her out. But I thought she was the, the wrong anti-post favourite. Um, I thought this lay between um, Mike Ida and Ellie May, and given Mike Ida um, was, I thought she was a comfortable winner over Ellie May last time out, despite um, despite a fairly small margin. I think she's the one to beat again, and she's one of the better bets um, at the meeting. I think. I am loving the confidence about Mount Ida, and I have switch switchied to Mount Ida as well from Ellie May, uh, despite Willie Mullen's incredible record. I think Mount Ida has been very, very cleverly campaigned, and um, I completely agree with you. Um, and of course, has beaten Ellie May already. Paul? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't disagree too much with that. I still can't get out, out of my head how far right she did go in last, last year's fixture. I mean, she's in an improved mare this year, but I've still always had it in my head that she could be better on a right-handed track, Mount Ida, um, as we've seen with both victories this season. Um, she's actually better off at the weights with Ellie May as well. So if she does, if she 
does handle the track and doesn't jump out to the right, he should confirm the format. Definitely prefer there out to the top two. Um, again, like Rory said, quantities to look the gettable favourite in the anti-postmark and is now drifted out to a price where you're probably going to have to start looking at it maybe. Um, obviously, a festival form over hurdles is very good, but as well as that lack of experience, she jumps quite low. She does jump like a, um, a, fr- a typical French horse. So again, slightly concerned and on at the track again just again rather like the um fox hunters i wouldn't be a race that i'd have a massively strong view and if the glancing queen did run here instead of the plate i think he's, i think she's on a fair mark and is, is definitely shortlist material for the plate but i think the small field would help her here and despite being wrong at the weights considerably i'd probably consider backing her each way because i think decent ground two and a half miles would really suit her she's jumped soundly um, in her three starts today, she obviously won two listed mares, novice chases on, and then she finished second um, behind Long Press in the Dipper on New Year's Day. Um, obviously, did the winner as Frank Raffle since in the Silly Isles and Fantastic as he was there, came out and also um, won in pre- well, only won by a short margin in the end at Lingfield, but travelled really well and I think has probably got a decent chance in the Ultima. So that, that piece of form is going to be tested earlier in the week at least a couple of times so um, it's worth looking at I, I say I know, I know she's likely to go the other way but she, she is the one that I, that I would be interested in if, if for some reason Alan King did have a rethink and, and came here instead I'd be looking at her each way Okay and this brings us to the last race of Cheltenham 2022 gentlemen it's the Martin Pipe Conditional Jockeys Handicap Hurdle where your favourite with Kaluki is uh, it's been a long time plan. Runner up in the race last year, Langer Dan, nine to two. Statement, same price. Um, does he go for the county? Does he go for this? Who knows? Uh, we know where Paul wants him to go. Hollow Games is sevens. Chemical Energy eights. Adamantly chosen eights. Uh, good risk at all, eight to one. And um, a number of horses then who are cross entered. Uh, Rory, we started with you throughout. We will end with you. Uh, who wins the Martin Pipe? Um, I can, listen, I can see the case for for Langer Dan. I think it's interesting that um, uh, the connections decided not to run him um, in the Imperial Cup at the weekend as they did last year. No, no bonus, of course, this time around. Um, but I thought, you know, given that he's not guaranteed to get a run, I thought that was quite a bold call. Although being number twenty-seven on the list, um, I would be gobsmacked uh, if he didn't get into the race because you've still got horses who are engaged in the. Um, uh, in the Coral Cup here, and um, uh, there'll be there'll be a few drop out of it. But off the off the British horses, I, I much prefer Good Risk at all. I say much prefer at the prices. I prefer Good Risk at all. I'm not anti Langer Dan, um, but Good Risk at all is a horse who's improved for the step up the trip. I'd ask it last time out. Um, that was on heavy ground, but I don't think he doesn't need the ground. He was a high class a bumper winner and good to soft last season. And essentially, um, you know, he's he's gone hurdling this year. Um, uh, giving every indication that he's never been schooled. Uh, and I mean that in a nice way. Uh, his jumping at Chepstow on debut was, was terrible. Um, and it, it was pretty scrappy when he was second um, at Newbury on his next start behind John Bond. Um, he was beaten on uh, on handicap debut, um, but shaped as if he wanted to step up from, from the bare two miles there at Warwick. And he was massively improved, uh, unsurprisingly, when he won with his head in his chest at Ascot last time out. The handicappers put him up £10 for that, but that's, that's by the by. He needed to go up that much to be getting into this kind of race. 
this has always been the plan. I, I really do admire Sam Thomas's approach to training at the moment. He's got a boutique yard. He's only had 80-odd runners, not horses, but actual runners this season. And he is, um, unlike a lot of small trainers, looking to make a mark. Um, he's not content to be winning egg and spoon races here and there to, to get himself a high strike rate and say, look, look at me, you've never heard of my winners, but I've got a 25% strike rate. He's running them at good meetings um, and he's making sure they're competitive and winning races. And he's got a surprisingly strong string in for Cheltenham. Um, and I would I would respect Sam's horses in, in all the handicaps they run in. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a, a couple of winners this week. But good risk at all. I, I like the way he's been brought on for this. There's plenty more to come from him around two and a half miles. And a mark of 137 um, could end up being uh, still very lenient. So I do like him. I, I'm aware that when I've looked at the handicaps, I've been concentrating on, on races I've been watching all season, concentrating particularly on British form. Um, and historically, that hasn't been a very good idea. When you're looking at handicaps, I suppose the first thing you should do is just put a big black pen through all the British runners and force yourself to look at the uh, um, uh, those those Irish horses who've been laid out for it. And I certainly I certainly wouldn't put you off that. But I do like good risk at all. Um, he's got a much more attractive profile than most horses who've rocked up for handicaps. Um, from British trainers in these races and uh, with the weight that he has I think he's a, he's a big each way player obviously he's in the Coral Cup as well he's been declared is he, for is he allowed to run yeah. he's declared as first reserve I don't know if he's allowed to run it he's so. declared mate only he's as fit but he's fit he's first reserve isn't he? so I don't know exactly well, what, what, what is the rule on that I'm not 100 percent sure I'm just trying to look he's not, yeah I mean I think it'd be, I don't know yeah. if he if he if he doesn't make it I think he maybe he'd be all right with the other yeah I mean I'm not allowed to you're not allowed to declare I in two. Yeah, you're not allowed, but, I'm, but obviously, if you're if you're reserved, that's a, that's a, that would be a very yeah. hard rule. And my understanding yeah. is that the rule would, would have a uh, has a clause that um, I would have thought becoming so, yeah. a reserve doesn't count as, as a declaration. Obviously, if you're balloted out, it doesn't count as a declaration. So, uh, essentially, with reserves, you are effectively balloted out if no one else comes out of the race. So, I I'd have preferred to see him in this race anyway. I think I think that the new oh, yeah, be is better than the old course anyway. So right. my understanding is he'd be allowed to run, but um, you know we might have to sit and and, uh, and see what happens. Horses don't come out of handicaps um, at the Cheltenham Festival, and if they do, even even when when we have had horses come out of, of handicaps with reserves, no one takes them out in the morning, do they? No. Rarely. You, you basically, uh, they always get to a scenario where, where the reserves are tonight to run, and then you, the horses are taken out on the day, um, which is you know it's a big flaw in the system, and I'd be very surprised. Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm just reading the rules now. He, he will be allowed to run any horse for whom confirmation has been submitted. Blah, 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 blah. This one will apply declared non runner unless the horse has been eliminated from a race or declared as a reserve. So he, so he will be fine. He'd be fine. He'd be fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, one thing I they don't want to do, they don't, they don't want to scratch him from from the the race he's a reserve for. Is it? Because then that would kind of that say, would yeah. backfire spectacularly. Yeah, they have to. Uh, yeah, so they, they just, we, we just wait and see. Uh, wait, essentially, wait for him to be ruled out of the Coral Cup. Um, but um, I, I think that's that's almost certainly what's going to happen, um, unless Di Walters gets his checkbook out. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I actually messaged Sam though on Friday when I was at the, the preview, the last preview I was doing, to see if he he had the preferred, and he did say the preferred target was the Coral Cup. And possibly, only possibly, the Martin Pike was a backup. I kind of thought. So I don't, I don't know whether he would. So we'll find out on. Yeah, I do, thought. Listen, obviously. because he's a horse who's, who's who's jumping hasn't been brilliant earlier on. Um, yeah. the Tra- the Tra- 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 the new course. Yeah, see that the 
the old course puts a lot of emphasis on um, on slick jumping and rhythm, whereas you know th- this is if you're well handicapped over hurdles, the new course is, is a much better place because the race the race is developed differently. Um, you have this really long run, uh, you know, uh, before you get to the last hurdle, where there's a lot of chance to sort yourself out and find the position you want. Um, whereas you don't always get that um, on the old course. You, you you need to hold your position through a race and have a chance at the finish. Whereas the new course, particularly on the Friday, um, it's a lot easier. So, uh, over hurdles, I'm talking here rather than over fences. Um, it's a it's a lot easier if you're on a good horse to find yourself a good position between the last two hurdles. Um, and if you don't, it's it, you pretty much only got yourself to blame if you're a jockey. Can't disagree with that at all. Um, all right, so he sh- we know now, warning is out that the Coral Cup is his preferred target, but um, over the new course, he would be better suited to this. So if he doesn't get a run, you will get a chance. And um, don't forget that if he doesn't get a run, you get your money back anyway, because this is not a runner, no bet. Uh, Paul Ferguson, your pick for the Martin Pipe. Uh, well, I know I was obviously being found well, <coughs> well found in the markets, um, but say whatever Stateman runs, I think, off a mark at 141, um, he'd be hugely interesting. Uh, I think someone who was on that panel with us on Friday night seemed to believe that the county was his target. So uh, if that's the case, I just know Richie Deegan rode him when he won um, his maiden at Limerick. I thought then wondered if that was partly to do with maybe they were considering the Martin Pipe. Um, either way, he's also who regular readers of my work will know I've been a fan of for some time. We touched on Bustleton before. Um, he finished two lengths behind Bustleton on his solo start in France before joining Willie Mullins. He featured in the Cheltenham betting guide last year as a spring course to follow. At the time, he was engaged in the triumph hurdle. Um, obviously, didn't take up that engagement and I thought we might have seen him towards the end of last season in the spring coming out in the maiden hurdle. We didn't get to see him again in Jumpers Follow. He's one of my horses to follow this year. We didn't get to see him until Christmas time when he made, when he fell when travelling well two out at Leopardstown. And I think the fact that he fell then obviously um, had had an impact on future targets because had he won that, then he, he might well have pitched up in one of the graded races at the Dublin Racing Festival or elsewhere. Instead, he obviously went to Limerick at ridiculously short odds and won us um, a very average maiden hurdle easily. Uh, a marker 141. It's hard strictly on the piece of form to suggest that he's he's well handicapped. But I, I didn't think that he could have could have easily formed part of Willie's um grade one novice hurdle team. So with that in mind, he's certainly got to be of interest. So quite where he's gonna turn up. Time will tell. Um uh, Gordon Ellis has a good record in this race. So Chemical Energy was another one who looked like he'd been laid out for the race two and a half miles on relatively decent ground. Um seems to be ideal for him. He's won his two races over uh, under such conditions and in between. He was well beaten by my mate Mozzie in the uh, for auction novice hurdle, but I say I think I think he definitely wants that extra half mile. He was deemed good enough to take his chance in the champion bumper last year. Got that little bit of graded form in the book. So he would appear to have been to be the ideal type. And again another one who Gordon's given plenty of time to. But um Gordon was actually on the a phone interview at the Imperial Race and preview nights on Friday night and seemed fairly adamant that Hollow Games is now the, the stable number one for the race and will be ridden by Jordan Gainford. Um, obviously, since Jinto has now switched from the Ballymore to the Albert Bartlett, it means the Hollow Games 
um, kind of likewise move on and run in, run in this race. Um, he's got a mark of um, on 43, which I think probably leading into the festival when entries coming out, would have thought that connections might have thought he was a little bit too high to run the mark by, but um, that's not the case. He's obviously a grade three winner himself earlier in the season over two and a half miles. Um, he then finished third in the Lola's and Ace behind Jinto and Grand Jury. Um, and then more recently, again, he was third uh, behind Manel Kakuna and Manel Kruna in the Nathaniel Lacey. He, see, he seemed in those two races to possibly have his limitations exposed as a grade one performer. So I think this, this is definitely a better fit for him. Um, and I think I would definitely respect his chances as well. And I'll just touch on one at a larger price uh, if turning up. We haven't seen him for a while. Um, horse gold, I like the way you're thinking. Um, I actually backed him in this race two years ago from a one-pound higher mark. He only finished, uh, I think, eighth that day behind Indefatigable. Um, but he wasn't beaten all that far. He's been chasing of late. Um, but this kind of the trip on relatively decent ground is what he's about. He's, he's won good handicaps in the past and I've I think Galway one day when he won a decent handicap over two mile five, two mile six, I always thought he was the type who could land a valuable pot. I say he's been chasing this season. Uh, maybe it's interesting that his, his only entry at the meeting was this race. So whether it's been some sort of plan um, for Gavin Cromwell and JP, I'm not sure, but uh, he just caught my eye further down and a, a likely big price. I'd, I'd be interested in. We haven't seen him for a while as well. So looks like he'd possibly been at this race in mind for some time. I like the way you're thinking is 25s with Kaluki as we record on Monday. I'm with you with Willie Mullins and a five-year-old. Not with statement, though. Adamantly chosen. You know, uh... Yeah. Yeah, he's one of my best bets of the week. And I really like Ebisari in the Boodles. So if I'm going to go for Ebisari in the Boodles, like... then why wouldn't I go yeah, for I like it? it. I like Adamantly chosen. Also. I just wonder if he was a bit disappointed in the early season myself. I kind of bring the Brels probably a a fair yardstick and his bumper the, the golf slander over bumpers worked out reasonably well yeah. um, this season even if the fifth one at the weekend didn't need the capital glory one of the hurdles the weekend Springwell Bay is nice also with John Joe um, yeah, I just wondered if he was uh, if he was rated a little bit higher I was surprised that he got a higher mark than Statement put it that way um, on, on what they've achieved like I thought that, that, that was an angle I came at, at with him but, um, again he's, he's, a, he's a horse I like him and it should be pointed out that, that uh, Patrick Mullins said at a Cheltenham preview recently that they thought Statement was going to be one of their Supreme Novice Hurdle horses. But once he took that fall at Christmas, that was kind of that. Um, so kind of gallop on the Champ style, he's ended up here. But adamantly chosen just looks to have been a horse who they've been pl- planning this race for quite some time and he looks to have a bit of class about him as well. So I'm, I'm more than confident with him. Uh, question then is, gentlemen, who is your nap? of Friday. Uh, Roy Delargy, who's your... I already know the answer to this, but i got to ask anyway. Who's your best bet Friday? I, I'm interested that you already know the answer, but uh, it's... Although, although I said that uh, Mount Ida is probably one of the best bets of the week in terms of, of um, uh, obvious chances, I'm, I'm very much sticking with Colonel Mustard. Is the mustard. I like a hell of a lot. And it had, to be, had to be the Mustard. Had to be. He's too big a price, and he's a good thing. Um... Asterix. Paul Ferguson, your nap. Ginto. Ginto. All right. And that means I can go adamantly chosen. And there's our there's our patent. Patent sorted uh, for Gold Cup Day. Gentlemen, enjoy it. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for all your hard work with the Cheltenham Festival Betting Guide. It really is an essential tool. 
and uh, thoroughly enjoyed all your contributions to the pod as well. Uh, you're back on with us again very, very soon and uh, looking forward to more contributions for you, from you even. Uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> Coming soon on the final the podcast. Cheers, and it's good luck, everyone. And see you later in the week, Rory. Cheers, Paul. Take care. Yeah, the two boys will be meeting up. Have a great Cheltenham, Paul. And Rory, you're there all week. Um, drinks are accepted from Final Fulham Podcast listeners. Enjoy the week, my friend. And, I, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. It says on my accreditation that if I am found um, drinking, purchasing alcohol, or betting, I will have my accreditation revoked. So uh, <laughs> please be not. Don't be doing that when I'm at the races. Because uh, you get me in terrible trouble, I would be, I, I'd be very surprised if any journalist has ever had their accreditation revoked for drinking or betting at Cheltenham Racecourse. If they but, have, they've uh, all been thrown out. Them's the official rules, apparently. The rule? Are you honestly telling me that it says you can't bet? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, you cannot bet. They seem to have forgotten what the Cheltenham Festival is all about. What the hell? Did that, it wasn't like that in my day. Like, two years ago. <laughs> Actually, it was. I, I find my accreditation for two years, and it does actually say that. I didn't notice it at the time. It said it, yeah, it said it for years. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you know that? I, was, I, I, I was never once, noticed that. I was once uh, pulled up having a pint at entry a few years ago. I was once pulled to one side. Really? Yeah. You know, owners and trainers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interesting. I was on my lunch break. Well, that's actually, you say I'm on my lunch break, I'm not actually. I was on my lunch break, having a shandy, you know. Come on. Back to work then. I was in the owners and trainers with uh, Colin Trace, and Rich Ritchie walked in. We got a quick photo with him, and um, then, you know, we're chatting away, and uh, no one said a word. Nobody said a word, thankfully. Um, You wouldn't. You wouldn't expect it, would you? But anyway, that's that's ridiculous. That's That's draconian rules. That's absolute nonsense. Cheltenham, enjoy yourself. You think Alistair Down wasn't having the crack back in the day? You think Claude Duval wasn't placing... Alistair Down, by the way, not at Cheltenham this week for the first time since 1975. Oh, my goodness. You were saying on Twitter that you met him. You happened to bump into him. Yeah, I was was getting an early train down from from Reading um, yesterday. And there's no one else else there. Obviously, no one's heading to Cheltenham on on Sunday. Um, And I saw Alistair in the concourse, and I said hi and made a quick chat. Um, and he, he said, you know, it's the first time in 47 years I won't be at the festival. I didn't, I didn't quiz him as to, as to why, but that's, uh, you know, a bit of an end of an era really is if, um, uh, yeah, I think he hasn't missed a single day in all that time. So it's, um, going back to the days of, of, um, 10 up winning the gold cup. Maybe you fancy the pint and a bet, so you just thought he'd do it. That's kind of why I missed it. He's got his accreditation and actually read the back of it for the first time and thought, no way. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of here. Yeah. Does that mean the Racing Post aren't going to use him at all this, this year? Because he's so good. He's, he's Well, obviously, you know, uh, as, we, as we've seen from last year, you know, you can, you can be utilised wherever you are. But yeah. I'd be very surprised if the Post have said, can you come up to the offices? And do something for us there, rather than me. I mean, he lives in Chilton, um, so it's a um, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a real shame to have to, you know, to have that kind of run um, at Chilton, and particularly for for someone who can who can share those memories so evocatively. Oh yeah, uh, and not be there this year. But unless I got the wrong end of the stick, that's um, that's the way it is. He's an incredible wordsmith, and uh, if he's not there, that's a, that's a blow to Chilton. It really is, and a fantastic, fantastic broadcaster.
as well. Um, as are Paul Ferguson and Roy Delarkey. Lads, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy a bet. Enjoy a drink. Screw the rules. Who cares? We've gone through two years of absolute nonsense and we're on the brink of World War Three. Enjoy it, lads. Just have an old drink. Have a bet. Uh, t- tuck your credentials into into your jacket. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Final for the podcast rules. And anybody who sees Rory in a pub afterwards, make sure you buy him a drink. Um, and same goes for Paul. Paul, have a wee sherry there. What's the worst? Exactly. <laughs> as you see, Delargy. I made the BBC. As you see, Delargy being tased and thrown out of chest. <laughs> we all know. We all know how this goes downhill from this very moment onwards, don't they? I'll end up naked in the woods somewhere. <laughs> and, on Again. That, and, on, and on that bombshell, uh, Paul Ferguson, enjoy the week. Cheers, good luck, good luck, everyone. Roy Delargy, enjoy the week. Have a wonderful sober week. <laughs> and you, our listeners, enjoy the week. Um, hopefully, we've provided you with plenty of gravy. More updates to come with the morning line. Uh, Darren McGrath, myself, and Dennis O'Regan will update you with the latest going, non-runners, and uh, how we think races are going to be run uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, TalkSport 2, we have a morning update show as well. And uh, TalkSport 2, Lee McKenzie and I are on air together for Champion Hurdle Day. So join us for live coverage of that if you are stuck in work or whatever. Uh, Look after yourself, stay safe, and hopefully the gravy will flow. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To celebrate, we'll be having a Sunday and Final Furlong Podcast owner's morning on Saturday, April 16th at Bankhouse Stables to see Raffles Capital and the €150,000 purchase, Invincible Power, the most expensive horse Sunday have ever bought. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Get your sign-up bonus for new accounts with a match bet of up to £25. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk.